reiterate Shane's welcome this morning. My name is Emma. If we've not met with my husband, John, we are the location pastors here in Handorf, which we love. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else, even though it's cold. Um, I have a very good friend who has just moved to Karatha. And um, hi, if you're watching. And I uh, messaged her yesterday and she was saying how she's loving the 30 degree winter days. I'm like, oh, it's so cold here. But she's yet to experience the summer there and she's not sure that that will also, who knows, she loves the warmth. So here we are uh, in August, our 21 days of prayer. We're a third of the way through, so it's not too late to join in um, as Shane encouraged us to do. Um, with your little booklet. I prefer the paper version. I do have it on my phone, which is convenient, but I like to be able to read it um, and to reiterate what he was saying about the acts so that um, it's, a, it's a model of prayer to adore God, adoration. The C is for confession. T is for thanksgiving. Um, and the S is for supplication, which I did have to look up the first time I read that. What, what does supplication actually mean? Um, but it's humbly asking. And then there's the... Um, as we ask and seek God for things, it's about the global, the local, and the personal attributes of those. That was the LP that you were alluding to there, Shane. Um, but having said that, uh, you will have noticed that there's a week of those provided for you, which I actually really love that we're able to just faithfully declare those prayers. Um, but today is the last day that it's written out for you. So you guys have to do a little bit more work over the next two weeks in our prayer time. Um, so starting tomorrow, we actually move into uh, a place of praying for our community. And you can still use that same model. Um, start with adoration. Um, sorry, start with the scriptures. Uh, we actually move into Mark tomorrow. Start with reading that. Um, and then praise God with adoration, confession, thanksgiving and supplication. Um, but also encouraging you and you'll um, to talk with your connect groups um, and whoever you're just chatting with during the week and encourage each other what you're praying about specifically and there are some themes um, in the book as well so that's a quick encouragement about our 21 days of prayer not that this message is not sitting alongside that it totally is um, but that was that specifically um, but yes we have finished the gospel of Matthew and um, yeah I've really enjoyed that I'm going to ask you guys to you're distracting me. I'm naturally worshipper and I'm like, I just, thanks guys. <laughs> They're there for me, but I um, will just start singing and then I won't get through my notes. Um, we might do that at the end. We'll see how we're going for time. Anyway, the book of Matthew. And uh, there are so many great parables and the things like, yes, I've read this so many times before. I've heard messages about this. What's jumping out to me? Oh, I've heard this and heard that. And uh I was then also obviously thinking about prayer and how they go together and there's just lots of thoughts and things going on. And with our theme this year, let them hear what the Spirit is saying, I just thought, I don't know, I could easily share a message around how to pray. The Lord's Prayer is in there. There's different things that Jesus teaches on prayer. God, what do you want me to share on this morning? Um, and... Uh, who's enjoying the Bible project little videos that go with our Bible reading plan? I find them really helpful to unpack um, and just take that bigger picture of the scripture. And um, one of the things that really uh, stood out to me, particularly with Matthew, because there's sort of there's two videos, um, was just that taking the step back. I think so often, you know, having grown up in church and heard stories from when I was a little girl of 
different parables. It's easy just to compartmentalise those, um, but really take a step back and see the big picture of what Matthew actually is. And Matthew was a tax collector who um, just threw that aside to follow Jesus. And um, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and they all portray the um, life of Jesus from their own perspective. So Matthew's is quite unique. Um, and looking into the uniquities, I don't know what the word is, <laughs> I don't know, uniqueness um, of what that is. But he goes to great lengths to point out to us, the reader and the people of the time, that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah that they've been looking for. Um, and in my Bible, I've got, actually I can't remember what it's called, I think it's written by Louis Giglio, it's a really massive big Bible. <laughs> and in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a section that's called the intertestamental book, something, I don't know what the actual second word is there. Um, and it sort of explains the bit between the Old Testament and the New Testament, which I found quite fascinating. Because we jumped ahead to Matthew, I thought I'll skip backwards from our Bible reading plan and see where we would have taken off because I thought, oh, maybe we will have finished from Malachi. What does the Bible project have to say about that before we go into Matthew? But it took me by surprise to see that the Bible project plan where we skipped ahead was actually finishing from Chronicles and then we jumped into Matthew. And so there was a lovely video on that um, because Chronicles kind of summarises the whole Old Testament really. So you can go back and look at that. I encourage you to do it. The intertestamental period is what it says. Um, and anyway, so I was reading about that and it was actually 400 years between the last prophet that came um, and was encouraging. So we know in the Old Testament there's just so many time and time and time again that the people are being told to focus back to Jesus, back to God, um, not Jesus at the time, to turn back from their ways, to stop worshipping idols, all these things. But... Um, the last time that they heard from God through a prophet was 400 years prior. I'm like, 400 years, that's a really long time of nothing, considering they'd had time and time and time again and prophet after prophet again, repeating the same things over and over. Um, and so that really stood out to me that then Matthew was chosen to be the first gospel that we read about. Um, he also refers to the Old Testament over 70 times in his recount of Jesus' life uh, and that's intentional by him because he wants us to see that that Jesus was foretold. This is the guy you've been waiting for um, and I think, you know, you imagine 400 years passing by and they've had, like they would have had the teachings that they kept living out um, and the you know, the priests and whatnot, the temple and all of their routines, shall we say, which became very routine-y. But 400 years is a very, very long time. And we know from having read some of that Old Testament with the exile and then coming back and all this stuff, and you think about all these other countries that would have risen to power and just the complexity of what life would have changed. Like we know I'm mid-30s and I know how much life and society has changed in 30 years um, how much it would have changed in 400 years and what other pressures would have been on the, the people of God to actually maintain that um, vigour towards what God has told them to do without actually having someone saying, this is the word of the Lord. Um, so that sort of really stood out to me. Um, but also that he came and he wasn't what they expected. They were expecting a ruler or a warrior that was going to come and just 
sort everyone out and this is the way to live. Um, but actually, Jesus came with, as the Bible project says, that upside down kingdom. Um, he came to serve, not to be served. He wasn't coming as a ruler to sit on his throne that people would come and lap at his feet type thing or, you know, wave things. <laughs> he, he came to do yeah, things. He came to, um, you know, forgive to turn the other cheek, to teach that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Like this is quite a backward thinking. Um, and so that's that big perspective. And when I was just sitting and waiting on God and going, what, what do you want to say through this? I was just encouraged that having a different perspective of Jesus or a different way we view Jesus or broadening our depth of understanding about him in alone of itself encourages us in our prayer and we can take when we understand we're never going to fully understand Jesus or God but if we can just expand on that we can grow to be more like him um, so I'm wondering what your image of Jesus is how do you picture him because I am a quite um Jesus, for, for me, if I've been really just basic, he's just victorious. Like, yep, conquered it, just done, black and white, it's, it's done, it's finished. Um, but then when I was pondering all this, I'm like, well, that's all very well and good, but that's just a small part of Jesus. <laughs> There's lots more to him. Um, and getting to know Jesus through... Uh, reading the Gospels um, and looking back at the Old Testament that Matthew alludes to, we come across um, a lot of Old Testament scripture, but one that really sticks out is Isaiah 53, um, and it's talking about the suffering servant. So Jesus, the suffering servant. So I'm going to flick to Isaiah 53. If you've got your Bibles, you can, or follow along on the screen, um, from verse 3. And this is what Isaiah had to say about the servant who was to come. He was despised and rejected by mankind. Remember, this actually was 600 years before, not 400. This was Isaiah, so even earlier. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we were we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Verse 7, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Verse 9, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. And um, scholars have looked at that and like there's no other way. They could not deny that Isaiah was not talking about Jesus. It was, there's no one else that that fits. Um, and just sort of marrying up some of those scriptures from Matthew, as I've read through taking the big picture look rather than all of the individual stories. You know, verse 4, he took up our pain and bore our suffering. There are so many times in Matthew where Jesus is healing the sick and we know that from our own experience. People were brought to him and he drove out their spirits just by his word and he healed the sick. Um, he was oppressed, afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. We know that when he was taken to the, um, 
authorities at the time, just before he was crucified, um, he remained silent. He didn't answer back to them. In Isaiah 42, it says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will be, bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. And I look at that and go, yep, I can see that that's the um, image of Jesus that we have been shown through his word. And then verse 9 where it says, He was assigned a grave with the wicked and the rich in his death. I found it quite fascinating when I learnt that obviously he was with other criminals on the cross so he was assigned a grave with the wicked um, but the rich also the, um, Joseph who provided the grave for him was one of the rich men like just little subtle things like that it's like it's really easy to read through the story of Jesus um, death and resurrection and just miss those um, so I thought well this is what's jumping out to me I'm going to share it with you Matthew really just wants us to know that Jesus is the one that they've been, we have been waiting for, they at the time, and he is the promised king. Um, and to be encouraged by that. So how can I encourage you this morning as we pray, um, as we focus on prayer, and what is the Spirit saying to us? And I feel like there's three things um, that we can be encouraged. When we picture and have that image of Jesus as the suffering servant, um, he can be all those other, th- he is all those other things as well. But as the suffering servant and through this story of um, Old Testament um, prophecy of what's to come and here he is, this is what I've come up with. <laughs> the first one, God sees the big picture. He knows all the details as well, but he sees the big picture. So it was 600 years prior that Isaiah prophesied this. Like, that's big picture. Um, I think of the prophecies that I have received from um, people, from God, obviously, but they're not for 600 years' time. I definitely take them to believe they're in my little life now. Um, But Jesus' coming was prophesied 600 years prior. There is no situation that God doesn't know about. He's written your story. He's written it to prosper, not to harm. He's, he's got it all planned out and he's got the future generations after generation after generation planned out. And that doesn't mean that he has corralled people in this direction. He absolutely gives us choice, but he has the best planned if we choose to follow him. Um, in Matthew 6 where it, Jesus says, this is how you should then pray and goes on to the Lord's Prayer, which lots of people would know. My, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread as we forgive those who sin against us. Um, these are the, the things that we can kind of get... Uh, what's the word? We can get stuck in the nitty-gritty of now and forget that God's like this. He's got the big picture. And he does absolutely, he cares about the details, but he's got the big picture. And if I give you an example, um, in our life, in, in prayer in particular, um, I wasn't sure if I was going to share it, but come with me and don't read what I'm not saying. But when we were um, pregnant with our third child, uh, we... I mostly, but we were really, we've got two boys, had two boys at the time, really believing for a baby girl. <laughs> okay, I really wanted a daughter. Anyway, along, so we found out we were pregnant, that's very exciting, I love babies anyways, um, but then found out 
through scans that we were having a boy. And I'd been praying that we would have a girl and we were having a boy. So I had to sort of deal with that and I took that to God and just prayed. And um, Emily said to me, if God knows the desires of your heart and he's given you a boy, then he's got a really great plan for this little boy anyway. So that's definitely, like I've shared that so many times because it's so true. Um, And that gave me a real peace about the fact that I didn't have a girl. Um, And then we sort of just shut shop (laughs) Um, and just, you know, we were having three kids. We never really talked about it. We're having three. I originally wanted two. He wanted four. We said we'll have three and we had three. Sold all the baby stuff as Blake grew out of it. And then some of you know this story. Um, We were clearing out the shed and there was baby bath and John's like, can we get rid of the baby bath yet? I'm like, oh, I actually really feel like. I still have this desire to have a baby girl, have a daughter, a daughter that I can, you know, take to dance and take to musicals and (laughs) do girly things with. Um, And I just couldn't lay that down. You know, other mums say, I feel really finished and mums will laugh because I was like, I'm not sure I feel done and predicted other things. Anywho, um, I just had to take that to God and we prayed about it. I prayed about it a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot Um, because obviously the chances of it being a boy was just as it was equal. Um, could have had a fourth boy and I had to be okay with that. So I got to the point, yes, I'm okay. I just love babies and kids and life is already chaotic. So what's another one, right? Um, and it's actually true if you're wondering. Four is no more crazy than three. Um, and three is not really that much more crazy than two, to be honest. Two is more crazy than one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and anyway, so we prayed about that and I really had a sense of peace about what whatever will be will be. But I also knew I didn't know this when I when we had Blake, but God knew the big picture. It's almost like in hindsight, God's like, Hannah, you're having a boy because I know you're having a girl later. Like I know you're gonna have another kid, whereas we didn't know we were gonna have a fourth child until conversations ensued um but anyway we were obviously very blessed as you know we've got Kelsey down here who's nearly six months um and when we found out that she was a girl well actually no when we found out we were pregnant that the um fear is probably a little bit of an extreme word but just the grip of what have we done um am I okay with this sort of came upon me but I was always taken back to the fact God has a plan He knows the big picture. He also knows the little details. And actually, it doesn't really matter. And when there are times in our life we don't understand the situation, like, God, why did you give me a boy when I wanted a girl? Um, I didn't understand the situation, but he knew. um, And he knew that that's what was going to happen. But there might be something in your world where you just don't understand what's going on. Um, And I want you to know he has the big picture sorted. It's in his timing, not in ours, which is very frustrating, but very, very frustrating. Um, But he's got the big picture planned out. So in your prayer, um, ask God to remind you of the big picture. Ask him to remind you of his promises. What's been prophesied over your life? What promises have you read in his word that encourage you? Never will I leave you, he says. I won't forsake you. You are called for such a time as this. Um, I'll keep in perfect peace him whose heart is steadfast. There are so many scriptures in his word. These are promises. These are his word prophesying over your life. So take them and remind yourself that he's got the big picture planned out and declare them. 
Um, don't be afraid to prophesy. Don't be af- over your own circumstance um, to declare his promises. What is it that he is saying that will help you see the big picture and not get stuck? And know that he, he cares so much about the right now nitty-gritty how you're feeling. Um, but the big picture is also far greater. Um, literally, as I'm saying this, this morning, Mason, our oldest, um, had his fingernail bent back in a wild, brotherly situation. And I was standing there brushing my teeth and he was crying and like I felt like I was being a little in, bit lacking of empathy because I'm like, well, I've given you ice. There's nothing more I could do. He's still crying. I'm like, okay. Um, but as I'm saying that, I'm like, I, want, I was like, okay, Jesus, how can I be you in this situation? I had a real godly moment. And I wanted to show like I cared about the fact that his finger was sore, but at the same time, this is not the like, – you'll be okay. You're doing everything you can. The big picture is – Move on, like he's like, it's his finger and he's like this on the bed. <laughs> um, and just like totally incapacitated, just can't do anything. Like, well, just Can you just get yourself up off the bed? Why don't you go and talk to Kelsey? Like just think a little bit beyond your tiny little finger right now. Um, and it's so true, like when we focus on the tiny little detail, all the rest just can ugh, disappear. Um, and so... God sees the big picture. He knows the details. He cares about the details. But think about the big picture when you're praying as well. Ask for that. Second point that um, Matthew in his conveying of Jesus and the Old Testament stood out to me was that Jesus has already overcome what we're facing. Um, Jesus as the suffering servant, he came to take on all of that, everything. It wasn't just, I'll take on these things that you're dealing with in life or that you're faced and you have to figure the rest out. No, he, he's taken everything. And that means absolutely everything. You're like, oh, this is, it's not big enough to take to Jesus. Yeah, it is big enough. He cares. Um, and so take it to him. He came to suffer in our place, to take on our sin, to take on our fear, to take on any shame, to take on pain, to take on sickness, to take on suffering. Um, as Isaiah said, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. So there's peace for all of us. So there's no situation that he can't overcome and he has already overcome. So our prayers, therefore, aren't pleading or begging or, um, yeah, that sort of coming like, oh, Jesus. Um, but our prayer can be in victory. Thank you, Jesus, that you have already overcome this. Thank you for, um, and I think about, you know, the baby situation. I was, before we found out, we're having a go, thank you for your promise. Thank you for this beautiful baby. Thank you for, because he's, he's taken those situations, he's overcome whatever it is we're dealing with already. So come with a thankful heart rather than, please, Jesus, please, Jesus. Um, and that's really hard to do in our natural sense, I think, because we want what we want and that's sort of our human desire but to just flick that a little bit and remember that he's already overcome that and he's already done that and the third point which is probably my favorite is that he didn't come as they expected and that really got me thinking like how many times do we not see Jesus because he hasn't come as we've expected or not see an answer because it's not what we expected it's like that story, um, I didn't look up for the details, but you know, the, um, I was stranded on an island and I prayed for God to save me and a boat came along. I said, no, no, God's going to save me. And then a helicopter came along, no, no, God's going to save me. 
And then it gets to the end of the, and the man's like, God, why didn't you save me? He's like, I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. <laughs> um, sometimes we just don't see those things because um, God isn't coming as we expect. Um, the people, Israelites were, th- were expecting a warrior. They were expecting a ruler, someone that was going to take charge. And Jesus comes in so humbly, so quietly, uh, not as they expected in his arrival as well. He just came through a virgin birth like that in itself. is just like not expected um, other than the fact that it was foretold back in Isaiah for unto us a child is born. I guess it wasn't saying it was a virgin birth. But anyway, he was a carpenter's son. Like He was just so unassuming. Jesus is generous, gracious, forgiving, all those things. Perhaps... There are, there are things in your world where you're expecting an outcome, you're expecting God to provide, but you just aren't seeing him because you've got your blinkers on. God will come in ways that we don't expect. And I think that, for me, just lifts my faith because, again, it kind of helps to see the big picture. We can pray with, with a heart of expectation. We absolutely want to be expecting something, but I think we can get stuck in expecting this when God's got this and so then we don't see this um so come with expectancy in faith but not expecting this if that makes sense so let's not limit God with our prayers um, but be ready for the unexpected so I hope that encourages you in your prayer as we move into the next week of our 21 days of prayer especially um, we're going to move into the book of Mark like I said um but to take those three points. So prophesying and declaring his promises, God sees the big picture, not pleading, but proclaiming um, that he's already won. We've got the victory um, and praying with open eyes and with an open perspective, but with great expectation. So I'll invite the team back up this morning. And I just want you to ponder your prayer and think, what can I do differently? How can I, how can I approach this differently? I want to grow, and that's one thing that you know we we love in this church is that we're continually striving to grow in our walk with God. There is no point being just stuck because we're never, like I said earlier, we're never going to know God fully, but we keep striving to grow in our understanding of Him, um, so that we can grow more to be like Him. So, how can your prayer world grow? How can your uh, picture of God, your understanding of God grow? What, what needs to change? What, what do we need to do about that? Um, and if nothing else, I think because we're reading through the whole Bible from beginning to end, skip a little bit in the middle, we might go back to it. Um, just that big picture perspective is what I've really been encouraged to see is that God's plan, His His hand is orchestrated through all the mess, all the ups and downs um, back then as He is now. So I just encourage you to close your eyes. God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that You are speaking to us. God, we want more of You, less of us, more of You. God, we want to be able to see Your view. God, help us to to take that step back and see the big picture like you see. Not that we'll be able to see it all, but Lord, with your spirit in us, that we would be able to just refocus, 
align our vision and what we can see. Lord, that we would come to You not pleading, not begging, begging or groveling, but we would come because You are victorious, that You went to the grave, but sin didn't conquer. You conquered it and You rose again, victorious over all that darkness. Lord, that You are a suffering servant. You t- came to take it on. You came to serve. Lord, remind us who You are. God, let us come to you with expectation. Lord, let us not miss what you are doing and what miracles you've provided. God, help us to see those, to um, not just acknowledge them and take the next step in life, but to actually really celebrate and give you the glory. God, I just pray for your people right now. Thank you for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus. Obviously, the very first step of that is a relationship with Jesus. And it starts with a prayer, funnily enough. But He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want you to just know about Him and have another you know, bit of perspective of who He is like I've shared. He actually wants to be in relationship with you. And the way we do that is by inviting Him into our lives through prayer. God, I believe you are the Son of God. Lord, I... I believe you died and rose again. Thank you for your forgiveness, for taking my sin and shame. Lord, I want to walk with you all the days of my life. Or something to that effect, that kind of prayer. That's what we ask. And we believe that when we've confessed that, we are part of his family and we can walk in relationship with him. So if this morning that's something you haven't done and you want to do if you're online you think yeah that's me this morning I just want you to give me a bit of a wave so that I can pray that prayer with you after the service is finished Um, it's the best day it'll be the best day of your life because you won't forget the moment that Jesus came into your heart and turned what you thought you knew about him into a relationship of a real living breathing God thank you Jesus God, you are here, you are good, you are abundant. Lord, we thank you for what you've done in this place this morning. Lord, I thank you that hearts have been opened to you. God, that we have encountered you. Lord, that people have met with you. Lord, that you have come to, uh, you, or you came to suffer in our place so that we can walk out of here especially, but every day we can walk in the victory that you had over sin and darkness. And so, Lord, I just pray a blessing over your people. Thank you, Jesus. Your blessing come upon them. Your peace, which surpasses all understanding with God, their hearts and their minds. 
Lord, as we go about our week and we commit to praying and agreeing together in prayer, Lord, we pray for our community this week. We pray for all the different areas. We pray for healing. We pray for relationships, for marriages, for schools, for businesses. We pray for um, counsel and authority. We pray for um, every part of our community this week. Lord, we, we bring in those little attributes your your big picture perspective and encourage each other in that. So Lord, I just pray you be with us as we go into this week and we thank you for everything that you are doing. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.